Hey, 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 Philly sports fans. It is Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you as usual by Allstate Insurance in Westchester, the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, and Philly Sports Trips also. Uh, I'm Jim Chesko. Call me Chet. My partner Bill has some other obligations this week, so uh, I'll take the reins. What the heck? And boy, there is plenty to talk about as usual on the Philly sports scene for show number 370 for Philly Press Box Radio. Yes, number 370 over the last seven and a half or so years and the penultimate show for 2021. I love the word penultimate in case you didn't know that. Of course, most of the discussion this week will be about our Philadelphia Eagles fresh off their first ever win on a Tuesday night, much better than uh, the one that they played 11 years ago. A much-needed win, of course, as they defeated the depleted, almost, Washington football team and set themselves up to stay in the hunt over the final few weeks for a wild-card spot in the NFC. And I'm going to have a great guest joining me to talk about all of that in about 30 seconds. In fact, he joins us every year at some point. One of my favorite all-time Eagles from the 1990s. I'm talking about number 86, Arkansas, Fred Barnett. Later in the show, of course, some Sixers and Flyers talk, the whole COVID situation, which just doesn't seem to be going away ever, unfortunately. And a little Christmas-related fun, too. I mean, it is, you know, that week. We're a couple or three days away from the big holiday. Hopefully, all you guys out there are far more ready for it than I am. But we have Eagles talk to get to, so let's get it going. All right, now joining me for what's become an annual visit. This is his seventh visit to Philly Press Box Radio. If you're scoring at home, it's Fred Barnett. Hey, Fred, how you doing? Hey, man, what's going on? Thanks for having me. How you guys uh, doing? doing well, how are right. you doing? I'm doing great. Great to see you. Great to see you after a good game last night for the Eagles. Uh, it started out like the infamous Joe Webb game from 11 years ago when the Eagles okay. lost to the Vikings on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I know some bad memories there. But uh, things turned out pretty well after that for the Birds, after the mistake-filled first quarter. 27-17 win over visiting Washington. Jalen Hurts actually having maybe his best game after that first quarter. What did you think of the play of the quarterback? It was pretty good. I go, of course, it was good enough. You know, they came away with a win. And in my opinion, I think they beat a team that they were supposed to beat. Uh, you know, and and that that's, you know, big for, I think, any team in the NFL. You know, not losing to those teams that – you know, you feel like you have the most talent. And, of course, with the COVID situation, uh, they had guys out. I'm not sure exactly how many how many guys came back uh, because of the game, you know, because the game being moved to Tuesday. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the Eagles should have won this game, and, of course, they did. But the quarterback play was, 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 was good, of course. You know, we had a turnover here and there, and uh, the offense kind of sputtered uh, in the first quarter. But uh, came out to uh, in the second quarter and made some plays, which was, uh, you know, kind of put them over the hump and, and came away with the win. Well, speaking of Jalen Hurts, he's going to be watched pretty closely over these final three or four games here. Um, do you think he is the quarterback of the future? Is he a guy they can count on, you know, for the next several years, do you think, or don't we know yet? You know, it's, it's, I don't think we know yet. And, I, and I, I say that from my perspective. You know, it's, it's easy, I think, for fans to just kind of add up the numbers and just see the plays, um, you know, from being from being on the end. Once on the inside, I really understand what you know what they what an offensive coordinator or head a head coach looks at. 
and that is how consistent he is in making right decisions. And you find that out by watching the film. You know, you find that out by being in the film room and knowing, you know, how he grades out. And, you know, we saw a couple of touchdowns and we, you know, we saw a couple of turnovers. But, you know, if he grades out at 60, you know, he may not be the guy. If he grades out at 85 or more or better, you know, in, in his completion and, and, and him assessing the field, uh, reading the defense, you know, you know, he grades out higher. So that's something that we kind of, as fans on the outside looking in, don't really know. Uh, it's hard for me to say. I, I, of course, he made some, some good plays. He scored twice, uh, made a good throw uh, in the end zone, you know, to, for them to kind of go, go, go ahead and, and win the game. But, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to say. Uh, I, of course, he played well enough. Uh, and I think just from the outside looking in, it seems that he is in this college mode that, that he was in, of course, in college. And every position is a transition when you're coming from college to pro. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't take that same personality, that same, that same type of play and, at the professional level. And it, for me, I think there, there, there's, there has to be more of a tra transition from that college quarterback to a professional quarterback. And, I, and, I, and can he do it? Oh, it's possible. You know, will he do it? We, you know, we, we'll see. Yeah. Well, one thing that we're all pretty happy about is what's going on with the Eagles running game. I'm going to put this up on the screen, courtesy NBC Sports Philadelphia. Over the yeah. last seven games, they're averaging more than 200 yards on the ground. They've had, in fact, five 200-yard-plus games. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, yes, it's very impressive. And and it's confusing too because I I I I I'm I'm dumbfounded why they ran the ball less than five times against the Dallas Cowboy. And and if I if I'm correct, I think it was three or four times. Yeah, and uh, they averaged averaged about nine yards a carry. Uh so I, I think you know, I think that's great, but at the same time too, I, I think that should be uh, evidence for their coaching staff to understand that, you know, they need to run the ball more. Yeah, I think they've learned that lesson, hopefully, anyway. Uh, what about the wide receivers? I guess as a former wide receiver yourself, you probably watch them pretty closely. What are your yeah. early impressions of Devontae Smith? He made a great catch last night. He's been up and down this year, but there's certainly a lot of talent there. Yeah, he's kind of been up and down, but as you say, there, there's a lot of talent there with Rager. I mean, of course, he's coming off a uh, – Somewhat of a disappointing game against against the uh, against the Giants with dropping a couple of passes, but uh, Smith looks great. Uh, Ward looks, of course, had a had a had a great catch in the in the corner yeah. of the end zone. I think I think I think they have the talent. I think, of course, it's going to come down to play calling, and uh, number one, putting the ball on him, you know, and and making his making his right reads, going through his progressions and getting them the ball. I, I think they really do have the talent. And at this point, you know, with all that they've been through, when we think about some of the teams that they lost to and they should have, you know, they should have won, and uh, they still could possibly be in the playoffs. So, you know, you, it, I mean, going to, the, going to the playoffs in the NFL is a hard thing to do. And, you know, for them to, have, to be in this position, you know, this late and uh, with what they've gone through, I, I, th I think it's a tribute to, you know, what could potentially happen with this team. 
Yeah, they started off two and five, then five and two over the last seven games. So they are yeah. 500 now for the first time since week two. Now it gets a little tougher, though. In addition to playing last night, they got a couple of games over the next week and a half, really. Sunday against the Giants in Philly, and then the following week back down to Washington to play the Washington football team before yeah. finishing up at home against Dallas. They may have to win all three. Two out of three may get it done. How do you see this playing out for the Birds? I think they have a chip on their shoulder with the Giants. So if the Giants come in here and 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 beat them, I, I think it'll be a disgrace. You know, like when they did play the Giants, I feel like the Giants says, "Oh, thank God, you guys played worse than we did." Yeah. And that's that's the only way they they won that game. But uh, you know, you got to have a chip on your shoulder with the Giants because that's a team that you should have beat. Uh, they 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 basically tried to give you the game. You you wouldn't take it. And uh, of course, with the Redskins, I think the, the I think you know they uh, based on what they did last night, they should be pretty confident in going down to Washington. Dallas is a whole other story. I think Dallas is somewhat, of course, in control with the NFC East. Uh, it could be a game where you know possibly, depending on what happens between now and then, that Dallas maybe rest some guys and 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 you know because of course they're going to the playoffs. So, you know, head-to-head uh, head against Dallas, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, any any given Sunday. Hey, I want to ask you about the coach. When Nick Sirianni was first introduced, people weren't very impressed. He had a very horrendous <laughs> debut news conference, to be honest. He had some yeah. questionable coaching decisions early on. People wanted to run him out of town. All of a sudden, he's looking pretty good. The play calling's gotten better. He seems more yeah. confident. What do you think of Nick? You know, the play calling has gotten better, and and that's the way it's supposed to go. I mean, you're supposed to kind of get comfortable as thing goes. Uh, and and you're right. When I saw that first interview, I, I thought it was some sort of <laughs> some sort of prank, to tell you yeah. the truth. And uh, he seemed a little nervous. I, you know what? The first thing I thought of was that our team back in the '90s, if they would have saw that interview of our coach coming in, we would have kind of been looking at each other like, "Are we serious? Is this this guy going to lead us?" But you know, as you go throughout the season, you realize you know some things that you need to make, some changes that you need to make. Of course, to you you know to make your team better and and to be successful. And I think he has shown that he's willing to you know uh, make changes and 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 do whatever it takes to you know make this make this team successful and you know they're they're on the path of possibly going to the playoffs if they can either win you know two of the last three or or possibly all three yeah gonna be interesting hey let me ask you something else uh jim harbaugh and the ravens twice in the last three weeks rather than kick an extra point that would have tied the game and probably sent it into overtime went for a two-point conversion to you know take the lead or maybe win the game in the final half minute Instead of playing for overtime, they failed both times. What is yeah. your thought process on that? Did he do the right thing, you know, being aggressive, or do you play for overtime? Well, he failed both times, so yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty simple. I mean, I, I it, you know, you got to take what you can get. You know, it, I, there's no way I, I would. I mean, I totally understand it. I totally understand, you know, him being aggressive, but at the same time, too. I think when you tie the game up, you kind of you kind of shift momentum. You know, now here we come. You know, and and I I, I think that uh, if of course if he had to do it over again, he he wouldn't he wouldn't go for it. But yeah. but it, it's it's you know it's a chance you take, 
and you know we would we would be you know congratulating him and praising him if if he had if he had made those two yeah. points conversions. So, you know, unfortunately, it, it put him in a bad situation. Yeah, hindsight is certainly twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, hey, Fred, when you were with the Eagles, you of course played at Veteran Stadium, all your home games there, and that wonderful AstroTurf. What do you think of oh. when someone mentions the Vet? Um, gosh, the Stray Cats. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what we were we were talking about? I was in um, in Lincoln Lincoln Financials. Uh, sweet last night we we actually started talking about the vet hmm. and i was telling them how we even during the game we knew where like the 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 um the turf was like uneven <laughs> and there are times when i would line up i come out of huddle and line up and i'm looking for the uneven spots on the turf just to make sure i don't trip over <laughs> you know and i mean would you wouldn't you oh god what a what a what a, I'm, I'm so glad they, they're not playing you know, in Veterans Stadium. And we, we also talked about some of the injuries that have happened in the vet. I mean, Michael Irvin. Yep. You know, a lot of people don't realize Wendell Davis from the Chicago Bears tore both ACLs in the vet. And and um, I remember uh, Coach Billick, uh, they came down to play a preseason game, and he looked at the turf and he said, we're not, we're not playing on this. And they, they didn't play the game. You know, and uh, yeah, of course, things have gotten a lot better, but there there were a lot of uh, memories that, that came from that stadium. Uh, you know, a lot of crazy, crazy fans. Like, you know, our fans are still crazy, but but they're not as disruptive and violent as they used to be years ago. But there there's so many memories in the vet. It's just, it just takes me back and, and just, boy, it, it really like rouse up those times when, you know, there were so many, uh, uh, games against the Cowboys and of course, you know, the NFC East, the Giants. We've had a lot, a lot of great memories in that vet. It was a dump, but it was our dump, as they say. Yes, it was. <laughs> hey, Fred, I heard your tell us your story visit with our pals Ray and Glenn on WIP a couple of months back. And I didn't know this, but you were apparently a pretty darn good basketball player back in the day. Yes, yes. I had a couple of uh, junior college scholarships, a few junior college scholarships, actually. And I only played the one year in high school. So I played two years and, and uh, two years of basketball in high school. And I averaged like 18 points. And it was really my love. And, uh, you know, my, my way of just kind of, of uh, measuring out really what I wanted to do because I had more basketball scholarships than, than football scholarships was that, you know, I just kind of looked at long term and, and what I thought, you know, uh, which, which sport I thought I could be successful in. And of course, I, chose chose football but i basketball was my love basketball was a love of mine and and as of recently i guess about six seven years ago i had a minor back surgery and before that back surgery i dunked a basketball for the last time in my life and, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it i'm gonna tell you something i got emotional because i knew at that point i you know my doctor was like i probably wouldn't play basketball anymore and i'm like yeah how Oh my gosh! I know I now I can't play. Of course I can't play football anymore. But basketball, of course, is a pickup game. But can't do it anymore. And uh, it, it was definitely a love of mine for sure. Fred, on past visits, we talked about Buddy Ryan, of course, and yeah. the infamous Rich Kotite years. Um, 
I don't think I ever asked you about Ray Rhodes, though. You were there for the first year of the Ray Rhodes era, and he was known for giving some fiery speeches and, you know, being, you know, pretty demonstrative yeah. in the locker room. What do you remember about Ray Rhodes that one season you were there? Exactly what you just said. <laughs> I'm not going to be specific. <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray, Ray's a, Ray was a great coach, man. Of course, we had John Gruden there as well, who was a uh, offensive coordinator at the time. So that was, you know, it, it was interesting because I think when he came in that they had a mindset of transitioning as well because they were kind of assessing us that first year. And of course, Randall didn't, didn't come back. I didn't come back. And I think he had Calvin for another year, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. But it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time uh, because I think a lot of guys, including myself thought that, okay, don't think I'm fitting here, you know? And, and of course, you know, the next year I was in Miami Urban Fryer was here, came here. I went to Miami. Uh, but Ray, Ray was a explosive, you know, defensive coach, uh, a no-nonsense guy. I tell you just like it is, you know, and uh, great coach, great coach, though. Hey, Fred, before we wrap up, can I get you to tell us about your uh, couple of seasons with the great Jim McMahon? I know you've told yeah. the story with Ray and Glenn. Uh, you have a particular story about Jim and his devotion to learning the offense during team meetings. Yes. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Jim. <laughs> Jim, you know, Jim, I, I told someone last night, actually, out of all the quarterbacks I played with, you're talking Dan Marino, Randall Cunningham, Rodney Pete. these guys are, you know, can throw the ball pretty good. Jim was the one guy that put the ball exactly where it needed to be, the exact speed that it needed to be at. He couldn't throw the ball, you know, 70 yards down the field. But, you know, those intermediate routes, the out routes, the corner routes, you know, the dig routes, the in routes, the ball is exactly where it needed to be. But, yeah, Jim uh, Jim was Jim was funny as heck. He uh, just did that, that little story that I told about, you know, him – being so devoted in the meeting room and going through the uh, playbook, you know, I, w I was uh, sitting in the back of the, the meeting room. And of course, you know, I know the plays and we're going through the same thing that, that we always go through. And I happened to look up and it was his first year there. And I look up and he's like going through the playbook and, you know, this, this, this overwhelming feeling hit me that, man, here's a guy that, that has won a Super Bowl, and uh, he's he's really like honing in on on what we're doing here, and I feel like I need to do the same thing. So I felt a little guilty, you know. And I wanted to come, you know, get close to him. And I I, I went out at the back of the meeting room and came up in the front where he was, and I and I sat beside him and I said, "Hey, man, I want to thank you because you just encouraged me right now as you going through the playbook. And I know you know the plays. He knew, he knew the plays. I want to thank you because you encouraged me to really like pay attention and stay on point." And he looked at me and he's like, what are you talking about? And it was, uh, and I looked in his book and there was a magazine, a magazine in his book. I'm not going to tell you what kind of magazine it was. <laughs> oh, I heard. It was like a Playboy type magazine. <laughs> but it was an entertainment magazine. Yes, and, entertainment. Uh, uh, yeah, what a great guy though, man. What a great guy. Plus, you know, what, and what great times we had back then. Absolutely. Well, Fred, this has been great. Uh, tell everybody what you going on. I know you're in Bermuda much of the time. Uh, you're in some business ventures. What do you have happening these days? Yeah, I got a little business venture going on. I'm, I'm my, uh, part of a whiskey distribution down in Bermuda, and I'm working on actually cigars. But uh, most of the time I'm, I'm uh, working for my wife, and she's uh, there she is over there, making sure she hears me. <laughs> she she has a corporate event 
she has a corporate event planning company and uh, in Bermuda and work, does a lot of work for Bacardi and uh, also has a, does some interior design work for them as well. So we, we're having a great time in Bermuda. We, we probably gonna be there for a few years. Uh, so we're just kind of in and out of Philly, but you know, love coming back and love, you know, of course, love doing shows with you and, and uh, love getting back when we can. All right, that's awesome. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family and uh, we'll do it again next year, Fred. Let's do it. Merry Christmas. Let's talk for just a bit about insurance, specifically Allstate insurance. Yes, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go insurance. I tell you every week, Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that, of course, is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Thank you, Merle. Hey, you know, getting back to Fred Barnett, I had ran in, I had visited Fred Barnett last Saturday. He was doing an appearance at Bill's Cards over in Northeast Philadelphia. And I think I startled him a little bit with one of my uh, other ugly sweaters. It, it lit up and he was a little taken back by that because he saw me reaching into my pocket to like turn a switch on. And yes, the Eagles sweater that I wore last Saturday lit up. Hey, what can I tell you? It's what I do. It's ugly sweater time. But I think this one's kind of lovely. That's just me. All right. Sixers and Flyers talk. Uh, the, the Sixers are kind of scuffling a bit. They're 16 and 15. Uh, like every other pro team these days, they've been, you know, hit with COVID occasionally during the season. They've had guys coming and going for the entire 31 game so far, except for that one guy, number 25, who hasn't showed up yet, at least to play a game. I don't think he's ever going to, but Joel Embiid, he has been there most of the time and most of the time he's been great the guy's a beast i mean 41 points i think the other night 10 rebounds and all the points they needed in the final couple of minutes he is mr clutch the nba keeps tabs on those sort of things and he is far and away the leader in what they call clutch points so he's having another very good season he's not going to be in the mvp talk because yeah he does miss games with injuries and rest and all that but hey he still finished what second or third of the mvp race last year and i wouldn't be shocked if he got back into that discussion again this year i know some other guys are having very good seasons seth curry and whoever else but uh Embiid is keeping them in it so right now they're 16 and 15 which is not great of course they're the sixth seed in the nba eastern conference at this point i think they're tied with maybe washington and uh, they got a couple of games coming up later this week. They have, uh, following the win over Boston the other night, they have, let's see, uh, a visit with the Atlanta, or a, a home game against the Atlanta Hawks Thursday night, and then a Sunday game on the road against those Washington Wizards. So they just got to, you know, stay in the hunt. They're only 6-7 and seven at home, which is very surprising. They were so dominant at home, you know, the last few years. But this year hasn't been the case. So 
hopefully that will improve and guys can get healthy and stay COVID free. Like hopefully all of us will. And hopefully Embiid will stay in the lineup because he's been great. Seth Curry's been terrific. Most of the time he had another great game the other night in the win over Boston. So those are the key guys right now. Tobias Harris has been up and down, but he had a good game also in the win over Boston. Like to see a little more consistency from Harris, but it's a long season and, you know, they're going to need him to step up. They're going to need Curry to continue playing well. Tyrese Maxey played much better before Embiid came back from uh, his stint uh, in COVID protocol. Uh, he still has his moments. He missed the game the other night, but I like Tyrese Maxey. You know that. I think he's got a lot of potential to be a, a very very good player in this league. So go Sixers. And as for the Flyers, well, the whole NHL has been shut down for, I guess, the next week or so. It's the Christmas break. Plus, there are a lot of teams dealing with COVID. So the Flyers did not play Sunday. They were supposed to play Tuesday night at the same time that the Eagles were hosting Washington uh, down at the sports complex. But just a couple of minutes before the scheduled faceoff, they shut that game down as well as the rest of the NHL. So no Flyers games till closer to New Year's, I believe. And that's, in a way, it's good because it'll allow guys to get healthy and any guys who did have any COVID issues to, you know, recover from that. But on the other hand, you know, after the 10-game losing streak that the Flyers had, 0-8-2, I guess, uh, I think they're 4-0-1 since then. So they've been playing some good hockey of, like, getting good goaltending, the scoring's picking up. So in that sense, it's unfortunate that they're taking this little break and, you know, having to put a pause on things. But hopefully they'll pick up where they left off as the calendar turns into 2022. But again, hopefully, you know, this COVID mess will get better. I, I know they say Omicron is spreading very fast. It's now the dominant strain in the U.S. The good news is there don't seem to be quite as many serious illnesses and deaths from it as what we saw from the previous strain. But, uh, you know, the more it spreads, that that is still the fear. So take the precautions out there, people. Speaking of hockey, great to have Joe Watson on last week, the, the legendary flyer from the 1970s. He was terrific. We got a lot of good feedback on that. Joe was a great guy, 78 and still, you know, very involved with the Flyers Alumni Association. He still goes out there and plays in some of the alumni games, although he said he's thinking about hanging it up now finally after playing two games in, I guess, three days or whatever, uh, a month or so back. So, Joe, great to have you on, and hopefully we'll do that again with you at some point in the not-too-distant future. All right, at this point, let's give a shout-out to all the rest of the shows on the Edge of Philly Sports Network. This show, as well as all the others, you know, are usually live right now. We actually recorded this one, as you know from the little message I put at the top. We recorded this week's show earlier Wednesday morning instead of the usual Wednesday 7 p.m. live time. But usually we're live on the Edge of Philly Sports Network, along with uh, most of the other shows. They're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also catch all the action on www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your friends and family. In addition to this show, check out all the other ones so you can see there. The, the Bod Street, Broad Street Bullies podcast, Jeff, Drew, and Doyle can be heard Monday mornings talking all things Flyers. And you got Bird's IQ with Kyle and Eric Quinn. You have Patterson Avenue Fanatics every Saturday at 9 a.m. The big show with the guys every Wednesday night, typically. 
at uh, 9 o'clock or 9.30. Usually it depends on sometimes whether the Sixers are playing, but usually it is Wednesday at 9.30. Freddie and Big Al and sometimes Joey, but I think Joey is off this week. So all these great shows, and we got a, a new guy too, Matty B also. Matty B is going to go live every Tuesday evening. He did his first show as we can tell you uh, after the Eagles game last night. Usually he says it'll drop at about 7.30 Tuesday evening. So welcome to the Edge of Philly Sports Network, Matty B. All right, you're probably wondering about our Week 16 NFC predictions, and we'll get to those in just a bit after we talk a little bit about Christmas, specifically Christmas music. Now, if that surprises you that I'm talking about music, you don't know me all that well because – I do that a lot on here, it seems. So, yes, indeed, it is time for another random chat. And let's get to that. Let's put this out there right away. I'm a big fan of Christmas and Christmas music, too. I love, you know, all the old stuff from Nat King Cole and Johnny Mathis, Bing Crosby, of course, you know, White Christmas and all that. Dean Martin, I love a lot of his stuff at Christmas time. And, of course, Andy Williams. Heard this all the time as a kid. Still here today, and it still sounds great. I like a lot of the newer stuff, too. The Killers, Gwen Stefani, Dropkick Murphys, even Michael Buble, I admit it. Of course, the Bowie-Bing collaboration in 1977. Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy, one of my all-time favorites. But you know what? There's also a lot of crappy Christmas tunes out there, and it's more fun to talk about those, so let's do that. Now, some of them you might not be overly familiar with, and there is good reason for that. They stink. John Denver's Please Daddy Don't Get Drunk This Christmas Eve. Cindy Lauper's Christmas Conga. Yeah, it's worse than you could even imagine. Iggy Pop's version of White Christmas. I love Iggy, but no, Iggy. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, Lady Gaga's awful EDM synth mess, something called Christmas Tree. There's also a song by the Cheeky Girls called Boys and Girls Christmas Time Love. Yuck. And, oh, yeah, Jessica and Ashley Simpson together, the sisters, teaming up for a 2004 duet on The Little Drummer Boy, which Rolling Stone named the worst ever Christmas song, saying the Simpson sisters put all their sisterly power into it, like they're saying, you already think this thing sucks? Just you wait. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Not surprisingly, a lot of people have mentioned Paul McCartney's 1979 hit, Wonderful Christmas Time, as being an awful song. It's not great. It's overplayed. I'm not going to say it's awful, but I could live without it. I will say that also. Um, Same deal with Band-Aids. Do they know it's Christmas from 1984? Yeah, I do have it, so I guess I liked it at one point. But even Bob Geldof, who wrote it, said it's a pretty awful song. Tiny Tim actually wrote and recorded a song in the early 1980s, the early days of the AIDS crisis, called For Real, Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. The subsequent line being, he won't be round to spread Christmas cheer. Check it out. Or better yet, don't check it out. Now, I asked friends on Facebook recently to give me some of what you guys and gals would consider to be dreadful Christmas songs. And you mentioned some of the ones that I mentioned already and some others that absolutely qualify. But I will have to absolutely disagree with those of you who mentioned Jingle Bell Rock and Springsteen's Christmas tunes also. Yeah, they might be overplayed, but they're also pretty damn good, at least in my opinion. Now, a lot of the ones you did mention happen to be on my personal list of awful Christmas songs, and they seem to have animals in the title in many cases. There's, of course, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Yeah, I'll be okay if I never hear that one again. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas from back in the 1950s, I believe. I didn't even like that one when I was a little kid. 
Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipmunk song from their Christmas album. I guess I did like this at one point because I somehow have the album. Oh, well. Oh, I can't forget the barking dogs or the singing dogs, whatever they were called, and their bark-filled version of Jingle Bells. That one's rough. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. Another novelty song on my list is one from 1960, Lou Monty's Dominic the Donkey. Yeah, another animal song, which one reviewer called a spiritual cousin to the chicken dance song and the Christmas equivalent to Shadapa You Face. I agree. Oh, somebody mentioned that depressing as hell song, The Christmas Shoes, from a group called New Song, the tearjerker about a little boy on Christmas Eve who wanted to buy a pair of fancy shoes for his dying mother. To quote Rolling Stone, you hear this song in the car and wonder whether you should dive out the window or just set the whole car on fire. Yep. Well, I'll be listening to a whole bunch of Christmas music over the next few days, but none of the ones I just mentioned, at least not intentionally. Merry Christmas, everybody. And send your complaints my way. I'm sure that some of you really like a few of those songs that I mentioned. And uh, hey, to each his own. Oh, speaking of Christmas... I'm so old. I remember as a kid, I, I think Herbert Hoover was president. Maybe it was FDR. I don't know. But it was way back when. We used to have one of those goofy aluminum or silver Christmas trees and a separate color wheel to make it look like it's you know changing colors and more festive, I guess. I was thinking about that very thing last week. And then lo and behold, I heard Mike Missinelli on 97.5 talking about the very same thing on Monday. Mike and I are about the same age, so... It figures. Anyway, if you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, here's a, a short video to explain the whole silver Christmas tree thingy. Ah, uh, yes, the spinning color wheel and the silver tree. Hmm. Uh, all right, let's get to our NFC week 16, is it? Yeah, 16 picks. It seems like just five minutes ago, week 15 and you know ended because we had the two Tuesday night games. And that is true. So we go from week 15 on Tuesday to week 16 as a, a Thursday night game. And boy, I'm heading in the wrong direction. I got to tell you that uh, I'm scuffling over the long weekend. I went just three and two while boop our pal, Bob, the Trone jr. Was four and one and our man, Bill Furman, the chief, a perfect five and oh, yeah. He was the only one of us to take the Steelers to beat the Titans and they did hang on for the win. So boop stays at the top. He is 40 and 22 on the season. He hit out. He has opened up a two game lead now on me. And Bill has actually caught me. So we're both at 38 and 24, two games behind Boop. Bill's making a move, and so am I, but in the wrong direction, as I said. This week, we're going to take our best guesses on a couple of NFC East games and, of course, a couple of others as well. We have San Francisco at Tennessee. The 49ers been playing very well of late. Tennessee, not so well. Let's see what our man Boop has to say about that one. Yeah, he says the same thing. Two teams going in very different directions. His pick is the 49ers because they have won five of the last six and six of eight. Won a bet. They have also covered five of the last six and six of the last eight. He says lay up to about five and a half. You'll you know, get a little more uh, payback for that. So he likes the 49ers. I'm taking a flyer on Tennessee. They're you know still fighting for playoff seeding in the AFC. They're at home. I think they're going to get it together finally. I'm taking Tennessee. 
But then again, I've been wrong a lot lately. San Francisco is Bill's pick. So Bill and Boop both have the Niners. I'm taking the Titans. Come on, Tennessee. Don't let me down. Indianapolis at Arizona. The Cardinals have been uh, uh, struggling a bit lately. And Indianapolis is playing well. The Cardinals, though, are at home and favored by one. Boop says, as Buddy Ryan might say of Carson Wentz, all he does is win football games. Yeah, Wentz was not very impressive last week, but they did get the win. Um, the Colts is Boop's pick. He says, if you want to bet, Indy has more points over the last nine games, 290, than any of the teams with so-called good quarterbacks. They have posted a 41 and a 45 since Halloween. Find some alternate team overs and have a party. So Boop likes the Colts, and he likes them to score a lot of points. I like the Colts as well in this one. Arizona isn't uh, playing all that great lately. So I'm going to take the Colts on the road as well. And so is Bill. So uh, Bill going with Indy also. Washington at Dallas. I think we all know how this one's going to go. The Cowboys favored by 10 and a half. Washington still may not have either of their top two quarterbacks back. Or they may. Even if they do, I don't think it's going to matter. Boop says... Let's see. The Eagles spotted Washington a 10-point lead and still won by 10. Kind of scary what the team with the best point differential, plus 108, that's the Cowboys, might do to Washington. His pick, of course, Dallas won a bet. He says the Cowboys have forced four tone. This is, wow, hard to believe. The Cowboys have forced four turnovers in each of the last four games. That is the longest streak since the Bills did so in 2004 and have seven non-scrimmage touchdowns. Lay some cash on another S. T slash D touchdown. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Boop likes the Cowboys, and uh, he says maybe the minus 10.5 is even a good bet as well. I'm taking Dallas also easily, and so is Bill. So go Cowboys. Oh, did I say that? Sorry. All right, the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles, the early 10-point favorite on that one. Boop says, no way this Eagles team loses twice to a bad Giants club. I agree. His pick is the Eagles. Keep jumping on rushing yards, if you want to bet, until the Eagles actually stop gaining them. As I mentioned with Fred, they're averaging over 200 yards a game on the ground over the last seven games. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Eagles big in this one, especially with the Giants still playing some backup quarterback. So it ain't Daniel Jones. Eagles win big. Boop likes the Eagles. I like the Eagles. Bill Furman likes the Eagles as well. So he and Boop have the same exact picks. I took Tennessee in a minor upset at home against San Francisco. Um, if you want to follow Boop, check out his contributions to bettersinsider.com. All kinds of betting information there. And even more on Boop's Twitter page. That is at BoopStats. Oh, a couple of other things. Our friends at Philly Sports Trips have some things going on. And if I can find the information, I will post that right here. Yeah, on uh, December 30th, which is what, next week? I'm so confused. Uh, next Thursday. Yes, December 30th. A Sixers bus trip to Brooklyn. Round trip charter buses leaving from South Philly Stadiums. You get upper level group ticket to the Sixers Nets game up in Brooklyn. And it'll be catered by Cavs Catering, award-winning food and beverages. All of this, the trip, the catering, and, of course, the game ticket for $199. Check out phillysports.com for that. And then, just a couple of days later, January 2nd of 2022. Yep, they got the year right. January 2nd, 2022, a Birds Washington 
bus trip. Round trip charter buses leaving from South Philly stadiums. Again, you get a good reserved area to party. Uh, lower level group ticket to the Eagles Washington football game. Unlimited cold beverage and bar service beforehand. Cavs catering, award-winning food and beverages. Again, handling this one. This one's only 299 bucks. And again, all the information is at phillysports.com. We also want to mention that uh, we have our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. And, you know, Bill normally does this one, but I'm going to try to wing it and see what I can tell you about the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to otherwise afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line razzes that give greater odds of you winning. Hey, who doesn't like to win? They're also continuing their 25 days of Christmas mystery boxes right through Christmas Day. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. Yeah, PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Now, if you're wondering what's going on next week, we will be back live Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. in all the usual spots. And every year we have this guy on to join us. He's a longtime columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, just recently retired a few months back. You know him. You love him. He does the Frank's Place or did the Frank's Place column most Sundays. Frank Fitzpatrick. Great guy, great Philadelphia sports fan. So we always have him on at the end of the year and just kind of talk about the year in Philadelphia sports and what we should expect in the following year. So we'll talk to Frank about that next. We may have a second guest also. I am working on that today and tomorrow, and uh, I'll let you know. But, yeah, Frank Fitzpatrick for sure. Next Wednesday evening, the 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Tell your friends. It'll be good. I promise you that. Not going to do a parting shot this week. I'm just going to say, hey, have a great Christmas. You know, we've been through a lot the last year and a half. Hopefully, you and your family are doing well. And this is uh, a great time to gather with family safely, of course. Don't do anything too crazy. So with that, we're finishing up. We'd like to uh, thank tonight's special guest, Fred Barnett, my partner who wasn't here, Bill Furman. We'll thank him anyway. Boop. Thanks for the picks, Boop. And I hope you get a few wrong this week. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PhillySportsTrip.com, PPCC 118 Razzum, and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. Philly Press Box Radio is back next Wednesday, the 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can see us live on Facebook or on YouTube Live. Check us out on our website, PhillyPressBoxRadio.com. We're on Blog Talk Radio. We're on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, Bullhorn, and a whole bunch of other places as well. So Merry Christmas, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and of course, go birds. Let's do the song.